0: From the New York Stock Exchange, I'm Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know. Worth the cost, President Trump suggests a minor recession is a price worth paying to challenge China. Hitting the target, the retail giant stock soaring pre-market as one-day delivery boosts numbers. And second time unlucky, Hong Kong reportedly losing another Alibaba IPO once again. It's Wednesday, let's make a move. the first move once again where insurance is the theme of the day. I'm talking potential tax cuts. I'm talking potential interest rate cuts as well. Though I have to say, looking at the retail earnings that we've had this morning, I'm not sure either's needed right now. That's helping lift U.S. stock market futures. Take a look at what we're seeing right now because we are in the green. We did break a three-day win streak yesterday though in trading. I think we just have to expect choppiness here ahead of the minutes today and the speech, of course, by Fed Chair Jay Powell on Friday at Jackson Hole. will call it a kind of Jackson holding holding pattern. Sorry. Yes, naughty. Anyway, carry on. What investors really want here is clarity on future rate cuts. So the risk here, I think, of a bit of disappointment is high. Remember what former Minneapolis Fed President Narayana Kuchulakova said to us yesterday? Central banks are simply out of ammunition to fight a really big recession here. The best way, therefore, to fight a downturn is simply to make sure you don't fall into a serious one in the first place. Take out insurance. What about over in Europe? Well, stocks are in the green. Italian stocks outperforming despite the Prime Minister resigning yesterday. We've got bond yields over in Italy falling to the lowest levels since 2016. Political uncertainty over there seemingly tranquillised by the hope of fresh stimulus coming from the European Central Bank come September. What about over in in Asia, to Chinese stocks up more than 2.5%, in fact, over the past five sessions. That fits with recent measures to support the economy that we've seen here, like boosting corporate borrowing or lowering borrowing costs. Timely, too, of course, in light of what I just mentioned there. President Trump's comments yesterday suggesting he's willing to pay a high price to confront China here. Let's get to the drivers on this. To be clear, President Trump says it's quote, irrelevant if the trade war dents the economy in the short term listen to what he had to say
1: i am doing this whether it's good or bad for your your statement about oh will we fall into a recession for two months okay the fact is somebody had to take china on my life would be a lot easier if i didn't take china on but i like doing it because i have to do it and we're getting great results
0: Christina Alessi joins us now. I watched the whole presser, actually, Christina, and I know you did too yesterday. Uh, There are one or two or several thousand inconsistencies here. We have to be clear. But interesting point to make here, he's willing to sacrifice economic growth in the short term in order to confront China here. That suggests a potential trade deal
2: remains a way off, at least for now. Yeah, he seemed to minimize the negative impact on the U.S. economy of this protracted trade war. And farmers and manufacturers beg to differ here in the U.S. They're still waiting for this great deal where is the great deal because this is a president who also said that trade wars would be easy so he's now predicting a recession would only be two months and sort of shrugging it off as it as not having a large impact look you talk about contradictions he is also calling for rate and tax cuts at the same time that he's saying the economy is strong well if the economy is strong then it doesn't need a rate cut or a tax cut. And then finally he floated this idea of cutting, uh, cutting taxes on capital gains. Well, two things on that one, it's very questionable what kind of economic boost the U.S. would get out of that. Some uh, estimates I saw this morning show that growth would only come up about 0.1% with a capital gains tax cut. And secondarily, he's going to be criticized politically because the benefits of that kind of tax cut would overwhelmingly flow to the wealthy. And he's already under fire from the Democrats for that huge corporate tax cut, which didn't seem to sustain economic growth for the long term and benefit the average worker. Although we are seeing wages come up, so that's something that we do have to give him credit for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he has a habit of floating ideas, even if behind the scenes perhaps the feasibility of enacting things like tax cuts or payroll tax cuts um, is rather more difficult than, than just talking about them at this stage. But it, but it is quite interesting, I think, it goes back to this idea of insurance here, this idea of perhaps not allowing a broader slowdown to take place here, perhaps pep up the economy, perhaps cut rates in the short term to prevent a more sustained downturn. There's a valid point
2: here, arguably. Arguably, yes, Julia. But you know this better than better than most people, right? If you use all your ammunition now and you cut, let's say, the 100 basis points that Trump wants and really, quote unquote, boost economic activity, what ammunition does the Fed have if we do, in fact, head into a slowdown in a recession, which, by the way, is kind of inevitable? Um, so I think the concern here, and it's this balance between the short-term risks and the long-term risks but i think the concern here over the long term is what ammunition do we have in case we do hit a recession if you're going to cut rates uh, to zero it sounded like he you know trump was really really pressuring the fed to make a hundred basis point cut most investors i spoke to said that actually if done too quickly could spook the markets into thinking that the fed thinks there's a recession coming and that's the issue here
0: yeah, if it's a big game of poker, you really have to spend those chips wisely. Christina Oleschi, thank you so much for that. Again, J-PAL on Friday is going to be quite fascinating to watch. All right, let's move on to uh, our second driver here in Alibaba, of course, China's e-commerce giant, delaying its Hong Kong IPO. That, according to sources, it follows, obviously, weeks of those at protests in the city of Hong Kong. Will Ripley joins us on this story. Second time unlucky, potentially here, Will. But I have to say, it doesn't really matter what kind it is when you're looking at a stock market that's at seven month lows when I look at the hang saying any company perhaps will be looking at a situation like this and going is now the right time for a second or even an initial IPO here. It's a valid question, I think.
3: I think you hit the nail on the head, Julia. This summer of discontent, if, if it's not bad for business, it's certainly very uncertain times for businesses uh, here in Hong Kong at the moment. The latest development, China's biggest e-commerce company, Alibaba Group, reportedly, according to Reuters, citing two anonymous sources, delaying uh, up to $15 billion listing. Uh, this is a disappointment uh, because uh, Hang Seng's trying to compete with his New York rivals. Uh, and it just goes to show that as of now, in certain areas at least, Hong Kong, is a bit untouchable, certainly businesses that rely on mainland China or that, that are based in mainland China. Now, there's no new timetable set. Uh, Reuters is saying that as soon as October, this could happen again uh, if Beijing becomes more comfortable with the political situation here in Hong Kong. But this is a city that's trying to lure uh, Chinese tech giants. And as you mentioned, the Hang Seng hit seven-month lows just last week. Uh, and so this is a really an uncertain time right now with, with all of the protests that have been ongoing for 11 11- consecutive weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, we also can't escape the politics here, the risk here that perhaps Alibaba, by by taking its second IPO to Hong Kong, looks like it's rewarding bad behavior to some degree. I mean, we've seen what happened with the leadership at Cathay Pacific and the challenge that managing the business interest in China presented. And obviously, we've seen the CEO leave here. It's a very delicate moment, I think, as far as the business community is concerned. And the message that gets sent here,
3: also very delicate. Very sensitive time. I mean, the fact that Chinese civil aviation authorities uh, told Cathay Pacific that any air crew taking part in Hong Kong protests were essentially banned from operating China flights. I mean, Cathay not only flies in and out of the mainland, but they fly through Chinese airspace to service uh, routes in the United States and Europe. So what we're seeing with Cathay being perhaps the, the most high profile example as of late is China using its economic leverage to push its political uh, agenda. And that puts Cathay, a Hong Kong-based carrier, in a really tricky situation. You know, they had their, their CEO and chief commercial officer resign last week. That was stunning. They've had to threaten to fire any staff members who took part in the protest. Reportedly, there were two pilots fired for that very reason just last week. Um, and so in the area of transportation, uh, this is hitting home. But also, retail real estate, hospitality. I mean, basically, a lot of these industries are taking a hit right now, either directly because of the protests shutting down business or because of the fact that one country, two systems, which is supposed to afford political and legal freedoms that don't exist in the mainland, is really up in the air right now, whether that's going to continue. I mean, a lot of businesses watching very closely, does Hong Kong keep its status as a financial hub and a safe place for foreign companies to do business in what's been ranked consistently as the freest market in the world? Or are things changing? And is this city becoming more like all the other mainland cities?
0: Yeah, it's such a great point. The medium and the longer term considerations here. And in the short term, quite frankly, if you don't need to raise money, don't do it. I think that's the message, (laughs) Will Ripley. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. All right, let's move on to our next driver. Two big retailers surging here in the United States. Pre-market Target and Lowe's posting bumper earnings. Claire Sebastian joins us on this. Target, I think, could open at a record high. When we kick off uh, later on this morning claire talk me through these earnings because online sales look really great and they're one day fulfillment as well
4: boosting the numbers here Yeah, that's the key, Julia. Target started on this journey, a a digital and and kind of store transformation about two and a half years ago. They said at the time that the $7 billion they were committing to that would start to bear fruit this year. It does seem that they have been proved right. This was a very good earnings report, particularly when it comes to digital. Digital sales overall up 34%. That's almost as good as Walmart's 37%. And they, of course, started their transformation much earlier. And I think the key statistic, which you uh, touched on there, uh, is that of the 3.4% same-store sales growth... uh, same day fulfillment options, pick up, drive up, and shipped, which is a, a startup that Target invested in in 2017. They contributed 1.5 percent overall to that number, so that's coming up for for half. So same day fulfillment is proving very successful for them. They say that it's also uh, one of the most profitable parts uh, of their fulfillment strategy. So really strong. But I think you know you can't ignore that share price move, Julia. This is a huge uh, wave of euphoria from the markets. This is going to add billions of dollars to their market cap when it opens and as you say uh, it will it will be a record high absolutely
0: and we will continue to watch that let's quickly talk about lozo here a real uh, distinction being made here between the home depot results that we got last week and new management and what they're
4: managing to do here too talk, talk us yeah. through these numbers right just like Target, this is another turnaround strategy that, that is starting uh, to look like it's working. Of course, uh, Marvin Ellison, who used to work at Lowe's, came back as CEO last year. He's been aggressively cutting costs. He announced thousands of layoffs uh, in stores. He's been closing some stores. Uh, and you, look, you can see from that chart, they, they fell off a cliff at the last earnings report. I think at the Open today, they're set to climb back up that cliff. same store sales in the US, up 3.2%. That's a little ahead of the number we got from Home Depot. And unlike Home Depot, Lowe's are reaffirming their earnings guidance for the year. Home Depot, of course, cut theirs and Lowe's operating in the same climate with lumber price deflation, with potential weakness in the housing market with tariffs. So I think even the the, 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 the fact that they can do that despite all, all that shows uh, that their, their, their efficiency measures are working here. Absolutely. Claire Sebastian, thank you so much for that wrap there. All right, let me bring you
0: up to speed now. With some of the other stories that we are following around the world, President Trump has called off a visit to Denmark after the Danish Prime Minister called his interest in buying Greenland absurd. Quote: The postponement comes just two weeks before President Trump was due to fly to Copenhagen, and Anna Stewart joins us there from there now. I don't even know where to begin with this. It's a royal snub, and I mean it. It was meant to be a state visit. He was meant to be meeting the the Queen of Denmark. He said buying Greenland wasn't such a big deal. He made a joke on Twitter, and now he's not going. Wow.
5: Yeah, you you can't really underestimate what a big deal this is. It's a state visit. Uh, The president was invited by Her Majesty the Queen of Denmark, Margaret II. This was a big deal. A lot of preparations gone into it. And landing here in Copenhagen this morning, because this tweet from the president came out overnight where he said he wasn't going to be coming after all, uh, the the reaction here is one of absolute incredulity. There was already some uh, bewilderment about the fact that he thought he would be buying Greenland when Greenland doesn't want to be bought, it's not for sale, and that Denmark says it's autonomous region that they cannot sell anyway today a lot of offense being caused people thinking that uh, the us has offended here not just the danish people but the government and her majesty the queen we had a spokesperson actually from uh, the palace who said that this has never happened before and they have nothing else to say they are just frankly surprised it's interesting speaking to local journalists of course on the ground because they say this has actually really unified people from across the political spectrum, this feeling um, of, of offence over this whole spat and the trip and the fact that it's been postponed. Um, but also, I think there's an idea that what happens next this relationship Julia is so important to Denmark the US is the biggest trading partner outside the EU they are hugely important for security they've often they've often fought together in wars they've got a great very long standing military military alliance and we're actually waiting right now for the prime minister to come out and make a statement and I think it'll be very interesting to see what she says she has to take on board the sentiment of the country but she also has to walk that very fine diplomatic line to make sure she doesn't let what is a terrible diplomatic spat go any further julia
0: yeah the balance of politics and economics anna stewart delicately put there thank you all right let's move on british prime minister boris johnson is heading to berlin today to speak to german chancellor angela merkel he has said he expects eu leaders to revise the brexit agreement they reached with his predecessor theresa may so far they've consistently said they won't do that with Chancellor Angela Merkel saying ahead of their meeting that there is, quote, no need to reopen the deal, speaking of delicate diplomacy. All right, we're going to take a quick move, but coming up on First Move, the Italian job. What comes next following the resignation of Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte and when ultrasound goes mobile? I speak to the CEO of Butterfly Network about their revolution in medical imaging technology. That's all coming up. Stay with CNN. first move. We're counting down to the market open this morning. Just been looking at the futures and we are still in positive territory this morning. Though I have to say stocks still struggling to regain the what 2.7% losses suffered this month following the announcement of course of additional tariffs by President Trump on Chinese exports. Only 10 more days until partial tariffs take effect of course September 1st. Also keeping an eye on what's going on over in Italy as well. Demand for Italian bonds remaining robust Despite the political crisis going on there, the latest political crisis, let's call it, 10-year yields are falling again today. Bond prices higher, 1.32% there. Yeah, that's a multi-year low. Italy's president, though, is meeting all political parties today ahead of to try and attempt to end the country's political stalemate. The Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conte, resigned on Tuesday following the collapse of the governing coalition. Barbie Nadeau joins us from Rome once again. Barbie, what can we expect from the discussions today? You and I were discussing this yesterday too. Are there hopes for a renewed, a fresh coalition here or is the likelihood we head to fresh elections? you know, we're going to know a lot more tomorrow. Right now, the president is
6: just going to be starting in the next hour or so these important consultations. We're working though with the results of an election that was very contentious about a year and a half ago, and he still got those pieces of the puzzle to try to fit together. And as he goes forward, he's going to have to see if there's any sort of majority, but you've got to remember but that a year ago, this coalition was the best compromise they could find, and it seemed an impossibility that there was any other Way to form a government but they were strange bedfellows from day one a lot of people never thought the coalition would last as long as it did so it's up to the president now to try to pick up the pieces or call early elections and it's looking increasingly
0: like that might be the only option julia absolutely so what do we have to do now we just wait for the discussions to take place today we get a better sense because the talk behind the scenes has been perhaps and we discussed this yesterday that the Democratic Party, the, the centre-left, could perhaps tie up with the five-star movement. Would that be a more cohesive coalition than, than at least what we've seen for the last year and a half? Because both feel pretty uncomfortable, quite frankly, and have clearly been very challenged. Absolutely. And, you know, they've
6: spent the last 14 months saying nothing but terrible things about each other. So it's going to be hard to see how they can reconcile some of that. And a year ago, there was no way these two parties could have worked together. But it's really now all about Matteo Salvini. That's the interior minister, far right leader of the league, whether they will hand him essentially a possible win with early elections or if they will form a coalition government that just exists only to keep him out of power. He still is at the center of this government crisis. And right now, Sergio Mattarella is meeting with these parties and each time a party leader comes out, uh, they tell the press what they think should happen. Julia?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, whether or not he gets punished at the polls for pushing the country to the brink of uh, political crisis again. Barbie, great to have you with us. We'll watch this closely. Barbie Nadeau speaking there. All right. just one of the risks, obviously, that investors have to keep an eye on at this moment. Let's talk about how you play this Victoria Fernandez joins us now, she's Chief Market Strategist at Crossmark Global Investments. Victoria, fantastic to have you on the show. Political crisis in Italy, Brexit negotiations, recession risks here in the United States, trade deals or not, you name it. Have you adjusted your portfolio in any way over the last couple of weeks? How do you view the global markets at this stage and the the risks that are upcoming?
7: You know, Julia, we're long-term investors, so we haven't made any strategy shifts just based on headline news that's come out. And I think a lot of the uncertainties that we're seeing right now are headline-based. Like you mentioned, uh, we have Brexit coming. We had Argentina last week. We have the Italian news that you were just speaking about. Obviously, the trade war is a little bit longer-lasting, but it does generate those headlines and have volatility going day-to-day. With that, however, we're trying to find ways to take advantage of the volatility in the market. So maybe using options. We have covered call products that we try to capture some of that volatility, use dividend-paying stocks and our global equity product in order to have a little bit of a buffer for volatility and just stay a little more conservative. So looking within the staple sector, but I do think you have to take a longer-term outlook and kind of avoid some of the headline trades. Yeah, I think that's such an important message because if you try and trade on the the sheer
0: volume of noise that we're seeing right now, the the risk here is that you lose money and materially lose money. Talk to me about your focus on consumer facing stocks too, particularly the retail earnings today because whether it's Lowe's or whether it's Target, the the stocks here pre-market are pretty
7: strong. are. And, you know, we have been talking all year with our clients, telling them that really the consumer is the key to this economy right now. We know that we've had industrial production and some of the manufacturing numbers come down because of slowing global growth. But the consumer really remains strong. And we had good uh, keys come out of that last week with Walmart and Alibaba had strong earnings. Today, obviously, with Target and with Lowe's, even Home Depot um, and Kohl's yesterday was better than expected, even though it wasn't great, still better than expected. I think it's showing the consumer really is driving this economy giving us kind of a floor to work off of and I think we'll see the market continue to trend higher as long as that consumer stays strong and these stocks are showing positive movement today.
0: What specifically are you watching here? Because I saw a fascinating statistic today that said 60% of the time as we enter recessions into the United States, we don't see a weakening of consumer spending. That seems to kick in later. So what would give you a sense, a pause for thought here to go, okay, perhaps we do need to be a
7: little bit more cautious here? you look at the consumer, we can't just look at the retail sales numbers, right? Um, you do have a lot of coincident indicators going on. Right now, industrial production is down. That's one of those. But we look at the labor market, look at the payroll numbers, look at business sales, look at income. All of these things are staying pretty strong, and these are coincident indicators as well. So you have to watch multiple factors to see where it's going. But also look at the household balance sheets of consumers, not just their spending. Those levels are really strong as well. Savings numbers are higher. That's a good cushion for the consumer to have if things start to go a little bit south um, on the spending side. So there's many factors to watch with the consumer to show their strength is still continuing.
0: Yeah, it's such a great point. Victoria, fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you so much, and we'll get you back soon. Victoria Fernandez, Chief Market Strategist Pleasure. at Crossmark Global Investors. All right, we're counting down to the market open this morning. Plenty more to come on the show. New technologies in imaging and medical diagnostics. And, of course, I a showed how these retailers shape up. Some really strong earnings from Target this morning could open at a record high. We're back into the market open. It's next? Move and the opening bell here at the New York Stock Exchange for the third session this week. A higher start for stocks as anticipated, helped along by some strong retail earnings, as we've been talking about already. The likes of Target and Lowe's beating expectations on the top and the bottom line. We've also got the Federal Reserve minutes, perhaps outdated and superseded, no doubt, by Jay Powell speaking at Jackson Hole tomorrow. A lot of investors clearly awaiting what we get there. The president is also awaiting that too. He's been tweeting this morning saying, we're doing great with China and other trade deals. The only problem we have is Jay Powell and the Fed. He's like a golfer who can't putt. He has no touch. Big U.S. growth if he does the right thing. Big cut. Remember, he's asked for a one percentage point cut from the Federal Reserve. But don't count on him. So far, he's called it wrong and only let us down. We are competing with many countries that have far lower interest rates. We should be lower than them. Yesterday, the highest dollar in U.S. history No inflation. Wake up, Federal Reserve. Such growth potential almost like never before. Okay, stocks also rallying as bond yields are well supported here as well. 158, the level on the U.S. 10-year. Remember, we've talked a lot about how stock markets uh, have been following bond yields in particular. So uh, a solid open across the board this morning. And uh, no doubt the president will continue to tweet as we await Jay Powell on Friday. now let me talk you through the global movers target higher This morning, we've discussed it already. Q2 sales and earnings beating expectations. We saw a profit jump of 17%, and they raised their full year profit outlook up double digits this morning. Pre market also lows, not pre market, it's now open. We're up in the session. Lows also higher, jumping as earnings and revenues beat expectations. We've got US sales up more than 3%, outpacing the sales that we saw for Home Depot, if you remember right now, also up double digits. Keep an eye on Alibaba as well. We've discussed this too. Reports that China's biggest e-commerce firm is delaying its Hong Kong share sale, a second IPO for the company. It comes amid weeks of pro-democracy protests in the city, of course. Now, in line with that, China's information wars could be targeting the United States. Twitter took down nearly 1,000 accounts. It said were tied to Beijing. Most attacked protesters in Hong Kong. One, was different. Donia Sullivan joins us on this story. So we had this whole list, Doni. you went over them and one in particular was found to be targeting America. Now, how sure are we that that address was linked to China? Given that Twitter has thrown accusations in the past and they've been wrong. Talk us through your investigations here.
8: Yeah, Julia, I mean, this is a very tough balancing act for Twitter. Uh, Twitter and Facebook and the other social media platforms have been under huge scrutiny since 2016 when Russia ran this, you know, elaborate social media campaign targeting the United States. Now, since then, they have built teams to try and, you know, find these covert social media campaigns which sometimes can lead to real world events you know get real people out on the streets in the case of china twitter and facebook alleged earlier this week that beijing was running a campaign with about a thousand accounts on twitter that were designed to look like independent news sites and independent individuals um you know trying to undermine hong kong demonstrators Now, we went through the list of accounts that Twitter released and, you know, many of them were targeting Hong Kong, but one account did stick out in particular and it was called Liberty Lion News and it wasn't tweeting about Hong Kong it in fact was sort of posing as a pro-Trump supporter uh, was pushing the QAnon conspiracy and claimed to be a first and second uh, US amendment advocate we dug in a little bit into that account and we actually found that the account had been around for 10 years but prior to being Liberty Lion News it was actually promoting uh, not Nightclub events in New Mexico, here in the US. We contacted and tracked down the guy who ran that account, and he was surprised when he got a call from CNN when we had told him that an account he used to run had been implicated by Twitter, uh, supposedly run by the Chinese. He said back in June of this year, he had gotten an email from Twitter saying that his password had been changed. So long story short, his account had essentially been totally hacked. It had been taken over, and he no longer had any access to it. Twitter did not help him at the time um, and since then it sort of took on this whole new life of its own now what's important here is that if indeed this account is truly run by beijing it would uh, point to a sort of a escalation certainly an expansion in how china Uh, targets the U.S. with propaganda. We've seen Russia before posing as activists and news organizations and individuals in the U.S., but we've never really seen China do that, at least not uh, in a way that's been disclosed in this fashion. But the big disclaimer here is, and this is the real threat, I guess, for and challenge for Twitter as a public company in calling out these nation states, Twitter have made mistakes before. Previously, when they were trying to be transparent about what Russia was doing in the U.S., they had misidentified Identified some real Americans as Russians posing to be Americans. So we don't know if, uh, if if this account is truly Chinese, but it does nonetheless point to a sort of very interesting case of, you know, how an account can get taken over uh, from a business owner in New Mexico and take on this whole uh, new uh, persona as, as a political actor.
0: Yeah, still being used as a weapon here to spread misinformation but to to your point in particular we've got to be very careful at pointing the finger perhaps at china when it's far more similar to what we've seen from russia in the past so yeah we've got to be very careful with this story Doni great work donnie sullivan there thank you so much all right take a quick break here on first move we're coming up things are heating up at walmart but not in a good way it's going to court over a series of store fires saying tesla is to blame we'll explain after this stay with us first move walmart is suing tesla saying several fires have been caused by solar panels the electric car maker installed on walmart store roofs matt egan joins us on this story matt i believe 240 different stores have these solar panel systems installed so this is pretty painful talk us through the details of this what's going on
9: Julia, when you're a solar company, it is never good for business when one of your biggest customers blames you for roofs lighting on fire. And that is exactly what Walmart is alleging in this explosive lawsuit that was filed yesterday. Walmart detailed fires at seven stores across the country that allegedly began in Tesla solar panels. And what Walmart is saying here is they are putting the blame on a rush approach to the installation process. Walmart is alleging a breach of contract, and it is seeking to recover millions of dollars in damages and have Tesla remove the systems. And Julie, I want to read an amazing line in this lawsuit. Walmart said, quote, to state the obvious, properly designed, installed, inspected and maintained solar systems do not spontaneously combust. And the occurrence of multiple fires involving Tesla solar system is but one unmistakable sign of negligence by Tesla. So Tesla did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Um, but clearly, this is um, not going to help Tesla's solar reputation. And it's also another reminder of that controversial uh, 2016 takeover of Solar, Six, solar City. Um, now, you'll recall that a lot of analysts at the time, they criticized the deal as a, a bit of a bailout for for Solar City, because the company um, has a lot, had a lot of debt, and the company was run and founded by two of Elon Musk's cousins, um, and the deal really has not worked out for Tesla. It has turned out to be a bit of a bust, and, and clearly, this lawsuit from Walmart uh, will not help that view.
0: Yeah, that deal has just been a headache, I think, from start to finish, quite frankly. But these two companies have been working for years on, on clean energy initiatives. I believe that Walmart's also pre-ordered 45 of the Tesla semis as well. Awkward, but it's not always up.
9: Definitely awkward because, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, Walmart has bought a dozens of these um, clean um, semi-trucks from Tesla. It has also, you know, installed all of these solar panels Uh, and Walmart is, you know, it's not just the biggest retailer in the United States. It's also one of the biggest users users of renewable energy in corporate America. So clearly Tesla and Walmart are not on the same page here. And it's only in Tesla's best interest to try to uh, get this issue resolved as quickly as possible. Julia.
0: Yes. Settle ASAP. My advice. (laughs) Matt Egan, thank you so much for joining us on that story. All right, let me bring you up to speed now with today's boardroom brief. An investigation commissioned by Facebook says the site's efforts to counter misinformation have silenced some conservative voices. It includes some of the people Facebook relies on for fact-checking are regarded by conservatives as left-leaning. It also says a Facebook policy to bar sensationalist adverts may have restricted anti-abortion campaigners from sharing their views. Sony Pictures and Disney's Marvel have failed to reach an agreement on the future of Spider-Man, meaning that Spidey himself will not be starring in any of the Marvel's movies for the time being. Sony, which owns the movie rights to the superhero, says it's disappointed that the talks fell through. Prepare to enter the Matrix one more time. 20 years after the original film debuted, the movie franchise is making a comeback. It stars Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss confirming their appear in the fourth film. Wow. All right, up next, meet the company turning your smartphone into an ultrasound scanner. We'll be speaking to the Butterfly Network. Stay with us. first move beyond meat is back on the menu at least at JP Morgan. The broker upgrading the fake meat makers stock to overweight. It says the shares are appealing again after shedding around 40% in the last month. Even so, they're still trading at six times the price they fetched at IPO back in May. Our doctor Sanjay Gupta got behind the facts behind fake meat.
1: I've come to the Beyond Meat headquarters in El Segundo, California, to see the substance and the science behind this movement.
10: Today we're sitting in the Manhattan Beach Project. We wanted to evoke that sense of urgency and scale of the Manhattan Project the Second World War through you know, Chicago, where they brought together the very best scientists, the best engineers, and the best managers to solve something that was really important at the time to beat the Germans to the bomb. We have to solve this protein issue. Uh, if we're gonna have a sustainable planet, if we're gonna have a healthy population. It's it's a pretty audacious way of looking at things. You know, 95%, 93% of Americans are consuming uh, animal protein. Um, I don't think that's gonna go away. But can we shift the consumer from a animal-based meat to a plant-based meat? Thank you very much for having me, thank you. About 95% of our employees on the research team came out of biomedical training or biomedical work and i know they want to be and i want them to be that group of people to separate to meat from animals you know there's pride in that and so we're working furiously to to make sure that we deliver that
1: the growing beef with beef especially factory farming is partly because research shows it's severely damaging to the environment according to the un Beef alone is responsible for 41% of livestock greenhouse gas emissions, such as methane and nitrous oxide. Those livestock emissions make up 14.5% of total global emissions. In Redwood City, California, Impossible Foods is another U.S. company at the forefront of the plant-based meat revolution. Our mission is very simple.
9: It's to completely replace animals as a food technology by 2035,
8: globally.
1: Pat Brown, a doctor and a former biochemist, founded the company in 2011. Impossible says its products are available at more than 10,000 restaurants in the United States. The Impossible Whopper, only at Burger King. And have also launched in multiple locations in Asia, including Hong Kong, a huge traditional meat-eating market.
9: People are not wedded to the idea that meat has to come from animals. They're very wedded to the idea that they got to have meat. But is the Impossible Burger good for you? We make our product as healthy as we can, which isn't to say that you should base your whole diet on giant stacks of Impossible Burgers. It's, it's a healthy component of a healthy, diverse diet.
0: On. butterfly iq a beautiful name and a very apt one for a device that transforms a smartphone into an ultrasound scanner the tool is created by the digital unicorn butterfly network and is backed by the bill and melinda gates foundation among others for more on the potential here i'm joined in the chat room by jonathan rothberg founder and ceo of the butterfly network jonathan fantastic to have you with us just explain why this device is so revolutionary and it's for for many reasons here talk me through exactly what it does
11: all of our lives were transformed when people put a computer on a chip when people put a camera on a chip i was involved in putting dna sequencing on a chip when you put something on a chip it democratizes it. it democratizes it so i decided to put an ultrasound on a chip because my daughter needed constant scans and they were hard to use and expensive and now anybody can use it And it's inexpensive. So everywhere in the world, we can democratize a window into the human body.
0: Talk to me about this chip, because this was very different technology from what we've seen from ultrasounds in the past, and that just made them so much more expensive than what you've managed to create. Even and we've been doing ultrasound using smartphones for a while, but even the cost there was several thousands. You've got the cost down to, what, around $2,000, critical.
11: So for the last 50 years, people use these crystals and carts, and you've had one probe for one body part. Yes. This is the world's first and only only whole body scanner and with the smartphone it's easy to use and we use augmented reality so anybody can pick it up and save a life.
0: And then we've got images of it and it's it's really quite simple. It directs you. It says look a bit closer, a bit further to the left, go to the right. So actually using this out in the field in medical situations is again significantly easier perhaps than it has been in the past. Uh,
11: Absolutely. Uh, a stethoscope, which has been given to doctors for 200 years, yes. is difficult to use. The UC Irvine class this year at their white coat ceremony, instead of giving them a stethoscope, gave them a butterfly IQ. And now every single medical school student is being trained right from the start to have this window into the human body.
0: So, talk to me about some of the practical implications because I think two for me stood out. One is unborn children and being able to give women a view on their unborn child, but also treating pneumonia. You were doing work in Uganda as well. Two critical issues. Uh,
11: absolutely. Right now, two thirds of the world have no access to medical imaging. Yeah. So when you pick up a butterfly IQ in New York City, a cardiologist can use it and that's great. But how about for the rest of the world? So with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, We developed applications that allow them to diagnose childhood pneumonia, which used to kill 2,400 children a day. We gave them an application to stage babies so a mother can get to a safe place when she's going to have a baby. Right now, every 90 seconds, a child dies uh, uh, during birth. And our goal is to change that. I I created the Butterfly IQ because of my daughter for someone I love. Now I want to make sure the whole world has it when somebody they love needs it. So it has to be there, has to be inexpensive, has to be easy to use. And our goal is to make sure everybody in the world has access to a window into the human body that can save a life when someone you love needs saving.
0: I mean, the, the medical imaging, as far as pneumonia is, is an interesting one for me too, because traditionally it was a guesswork. So you just blanket give antibiotics, got a cold, got a fever, whatever it is, you blanket antibiotics, particularly in places where they're becoming more and more resistant to, to drugs too. So there's there's a, a butterfly effect here, a benefit here in other ways as well from providing this technology.
11: People are calling it a butterfly yeah, effect. It's a good so thing. when we were, uh, in Africa, and we're running at these clinics now, sure, in in an hour's time, 24 kids will come in, but only half of them really have childhood pneumonia, and we give the right drug to the right person. So it's personalized medicine in your hand around the globe.
0: Okay, so how many different countries, how many doctors, how many non-doctors actually are using these and, and what next? How do you spread the word here? Because the price here, I think we have to reiterate again, critical. $50,000 to $100,000 for a traditional ultrasound system, you've got the price down. Smartphone connected to $2,000.
11: $2,000 and we're just starting. So our goal is pretty simple. Last 50 years, They sold uh, 500,000 of those carts. Our goal is to put in the next 18 months as many ultrasounds in as many people's hands as the rest of the industry did cumulatively in the last 50 years. And that's just what you saw with camera phones. That's just what you saw with computers. When you put something on a chip, it democratizes it.
0: You're raising money. You've already raised money. I guess you're on the lookout for more money. Is that what you need? Is that what we actually need in order to, to spread the word and take this more broad and actually grow the company? Talent first,
11: money second. So we have money in the bank and we're hiring the smartest people in the world and the people that care the most in the world. Because as you mentioned, we are now global. Every 15 days we're opening another country.
0: Wow, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing great work. Yeah, And your daughter's okay?
11: My daughter's great.
0: Fantastic. How long did it take to develop, by the way? Five years. Was it? Five years. That's still a work in progress. Fantastic to have you on the show and we'll watch your progress. Thank you. Certainly. The butterfly effect. Jonathan, thank you. Jonathan Rothberg there. All right. Let me give you a look at what we're seeing right now for the markets. Plenty going on, of course, and we're counting down to our Speech from Jay Powell, of course, tomorrow, the Federal Reserve Chief. What on earth is he going to say in light of pressure? We've had the President, of course, tweeting once again, reiterating that the economy is strong, but he'd still like to see more QE and rate cuts. And, of course, we've been discussing the potential for tax cuts, too. Stimulus is the watchword. Insurance is another word, as I've used throughout the show. But right now, we are seeing gains for the stock market, the retail sector, most definitely adding support here, too. We'll be back in a couple of hours' time to follow the thread on all. All of these stories, but for now, you've been watching First Move. Time to go and make yours. Have a great Wednesday.
9: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.